What's up? It's Wenchik Estalicus here, bringing you the bar as low. Every episode, we take a look at a fanfiction or a series of fics, and these can be either bad, good, or somewhere in between, but mostly, they're bad. So, this review is, in fact, a continuation of last week's episode, which focused on, like, the first half of... Wait for it. Wait for it. A 400,000 word fanfiction based around the pairing of Katara and Ozai, because fuck you. If you want background on this author and, like, why she writes about this, then you should probably listen to the first part, because, um, I'm not gonna do another 20-minute intro for this. But if you want to experience pure surrealism, then... You should just keep listening to this because this is just keeps getting more and more surreal as we get into the second half of it. And a few scenes into this, we're going to have what I really consider to be the first truly surreal moment in it. I also want to remind everyone that this fic is unfinished. And the reason that I'm going ahead with this review anyways is because... I don't think it ever will be finished. The last update was months ago, and the author has since then started working on a new fake. And uh, yeah, I just don't think it's ever going to be finished, so we're just going to talk about it. But if it is ever finished, I will be back with part three. So when we left off, our favorite asshole uh, seized the South Pole against its will and knocked up his teenage wife. Now we continue their journey as they return to the Fire Nation. As you might remember, there's like a lot of political insanity that's going on and people want Katara dead because they're all racists. <laughs> so remember Shin? He's an asshole. Who the fuck is he working for? Well, he's working for another siren. Uh, if you don't remember, a siren is like a rare gift among waterbenders that this author like kind of came up with. And uh, it's basically like a being of seduction that kind of like shares headspace with its host, I guess. So this other siren is Hama. You know, remember the, the, the bloodbending lady? Um, she killed his father, apparently. And she's also his mother because... I don't know why, just because, because that gets pretty surreal. She somehow becomes young again, like, because siren magic or some shit. What happens here is uh, Shin is also a bloodbender. He's he's a dual bender because apparently he had a uh, father who could bend fire and then waterbending mom. Gee, I wonder, that's so subtle, Adam. Adam is the author's name, by the way. I just normally say the author, but... Sometimes we'll say anim, um, but wow, uh, who does that sound like? I feel like there would have been more about dual benders, but like everyone's a racist, so they never interbreed. I guess that's the story behind that. Um, but yeah, he kidnaps Zuko here, and um, while Zuko's like there, kidnapped, like she fucks him, cause. I don't know why. This author has way too many characters whose entire personalities are just based off being horny. She's probably the worst case of this. <laughs> also, the, this author uses fucking weird words for uh, body parts and like just weird words that you shouldn't use during a sex scene. Like she says, she'll say like womb instead of pussy. Just say pussy. Oh my god. And then this word is like my own personal moist. Like, it just 
I think it's like the worst word ever. When people say it to describe gum, it it fucking grosses me out. The word is seed. I I really hate that for some reason. Just just nasty. You nasty. All right, so we cut back to our main couple, and uh, Ozai can't not be a dick for like a single minute. Uh, I went on a whole rant about this in the last episode, and like they're really like the straightest couple ever. They just fight, and then they like claim to love each other, and then they just fight again, and then he treats her like property, even though he explicitly says several times that he wants her to be his equal. Okay, that doesn't make sense, but you know, whatever you say. And the author even explicitly states how quickly everything can change between them. This isn't a good relationship. I mean, yeah, it's natural to have disagreements, but like arguing constantly, like at some point you just gotta give up before someone snaps. Oh, there's this other thing. I guess they're on the boat back to the Fire Nation. Uh, They have kind of an intimate scene, and they just casually drop that she practices blowing him while he's asleep. What? I have questions. What? Is that a thing that people do? Uh, Yeah, he's like... He's really possessive, though. As I've said, he's so... It's so scary. I think there's, like, a holiday or something, like, the winter ball or something is coming up for them, and he wants something, and he, like, makes her kind of guess what it is. He's, like, the avatar world domination and sex is all that you can think of that I want. I mean, yeah, that seems like his whole personality right there. But what he really wants, and this is so fucking scary and, like... I don't know why people see this as romantic, because it's terrifying, but actual words, he wants her to acknowledge my ownership of you. Guys, no, straight people, just stop. Just stop. That's not romantic. It's terrifying. Oh my god, y'all. No, no, just no. So he gets her to the edge of an orgasm and then just stops because he's fucking with her. And then she yells after him. That's just plain evil. Like, honey, we were telling you that the whole time. So then there's like another scene where they're, you know, talking about their little clump of cells. Katara's like, it's definitely a waterbender. But then he's like, um, fire's stronger than water. Oh, hey, boy, uh... Everyone knows that water puts out fire, you absolute fucking buffoon. Like, reality agrees with me, and also Pokemon agrees with me. I have the power of God and anime on my side, excuse you. And also grass is the true third element, because fuck earth and air. Personally, I think that it's going to be a mold child. And like, also, you guys, it isn't, it's just a clump of cells. It's not a child. It's, it's like been a month. You calm down. Like, it's really clear that he already cares more about, like, the little embryo than either of his existing children. Like I said, we would get to a surreal moment really soon. This scene is fucking surreal. I think this is a definite sharp drop-off to me into this relatively steady descent that persists throughout the fic, but it's not a true drop-off, which, you know, I'll get to that, but it's just so fucking weird to hear, like, these two specific characters talking about the family, that they're really enthusiastic to start together, and, like, the little clump of cells that, like, exists inside her uterus. 
It's just weird. It's just fucking weird. Then she starts to wonder if he won't love the cells if it turns into a waterbender. And then she fucking finally thinks, like, oh, um, will he hurt my child because, like, he's such a shitty father because he fucked up his other two children so badly? This is just now occurring to her. <laughs> How did this not occur to her before? I, <laughs> oh my god, she should have thought of that before having a ton of unprotected sex with him. Oh my god. Just idiot. Idiot. So stupid. They're, they're both so stupid, honestly. Oh my god. So rightfully, she doesn't fully trust him. But then she's like, honestly, if they're had his hair that's all that matters that's his best and only personality trait so yes i've heard of that much i guess the feelings i approve of of this concept so they get back to the palace and uh yeah the whole south pole arc is over which you know that was why i left off there um I was promised that people would try to kill them, and I was like three paragraphs in, and I was like so disappointed in the lack of assassination attempts. But like in the next paragraph, there's an assassination attempt, and like there's finally something I can appreciate. I mean, it's kind of a hate crime, but like I just really hate the author's rendition of these characters. <laughs> They drive me insane. Oh my god. So she gets captured because, you know, kidnapping, that's totally not getting old at all. Oh, so he's, like, really upset by this and, like, does everything within his power to find her. You know, which is, uh, that's a lot of things. So, like, he actually expresses fear and despair instead of just anger. Like, the author has him do the thing where he just screams her name in anguish. And he's so... He's so obsessed with having control, but, like, he forgets about all of that here. He also can't control his dick. I guess it's kind of like that. Uh, and so just fuck all of that. So, like, could this be character development? That he's willing to show that he's vulnerable, that he loves someone? Like, when he gets her back, will he start treating her better? Will he become a better person? The answer to that is no. That's really all I have to say about that. <laughs> so, like... He doesn't have, like, an appropriate amount of concern. Like, he cares way too much. I mean, because he's, you know, an evil dictator trying to express love, which, you know, means that he's, like, executing a bunch of innocent people and brutally torturing them until someone steps forward. And then he even uh, considers the execution of Kimiko, which, um, reminder, is an OC that's... Uh, his half-sister. Everyone is terrified. Because... Oh my god. It is terrifying. Just, guys, take some life advice from Wenchik Catholicus. Never let someone have this much power over you to the point where they're, you know, gonna kill everyone who gets in your way and, like, arbitrarily treat people like shit over their paranoia. I mean, maybe it's just Ozai being Ozai, but like, seriously, there's like a certain point of codependency, you know, especially in a relationship like this one where they just constantly fight with each other over stupid shit. And you, know, you have to realize that it should end because it's just not healthy. So then uh, Zuko and Ozai have a conversation where they don't try to kill each other for, like, four lines, so I guess that's, like, some progress in their relationship. Uh, he might know where Katara is, and then, like, 
so naturally. Ozai just, like, flips the fuck out and, like, threatens to burn the other side of his face off. And, like, I feel like this is the only threat that he has in his inventory of threats, Suzuko, because, like, one would think that he'd make a lot of threats to him in his lifetime, but, like, I feel like this is the only one that the author really uses. Uh, and then he he tells him that Shin has her, and then he fucking freaks out again. So, meanwhile, uh, Hama and Shin are, like, trying to summon the siren from Katara's body, but it's not working. I'm not really sure what the purpose of this is, or, you know, the entire chapter for that matter. This chapter, like, has nothing to do with anything in the long run. So we we knew that Shin was just a piece of shit and bad news, and uh, this makes this chapter even more pointless. He rapes her She's, like, half asleep, and, like, she thinks it's Ozai at first, so he takes advantage of that because he's disgusting. So even some of their viewers have expressed their distaste for this scene. People who, you know, support this pairing in spite of all the insanity that I've already outlined, uh, they thought this was a little much. <laughs> Rape is bad, guys. Like, I guess not when Ozai does it, though, because fuck you. <laughs> Sometimes it can work as a plot device, but it doesn't add anything here because this chapter... I don't even know what the point of it really is. I guess it kind of introduces Hama's character, but, like, it has nothing to do with her motivations later on, or, like, her really nebulous motivations. We don't know what the hell she wants, really. We already hated Shin, and this was just a character who the author was actually trying to get us to hate, which, you know, <laughs> oh my god, I hate him so much. <laughs> like, she can get me to hate the characters that we're supposed to like, so, like, she can really get me to hate the characters that we're <laughs> supposed to hate. Uh, so the author gives us some character thoughts. I conclude that she has no right to decide the boundary between not okay and okay. Hama seduces men and then kills them after fucking them. I guess that's more of her siren than her, but Azuko's been the only survivor. But she's like, rape is bad, guys. I was raped once. It wasn't fun. You know what's also not cool? Just fucking killing people for absolutely no reason. <sighs> and then they end up finding Katara, because... I don't know, this all happened in one chapter, just by the way, and he's like so uptight upon seeing her all injured and shit that he makes, to quote, an instant death flame when the doctors try to touch her. I think that would be a cool band name, like it's pretty metal, but also kind of ridiculous, so that would be perfect for me. Also, possible other good band name, Estranged Roof Climbing Sun. I like it. So, again, for someone who's so fucking obsessed with control, he really loses it during this section of the fic. Like, he's just down for murder left and right. Like, I mean, that's normal for him, but, like, more so here. He just can't chill out for a single minute. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that Katara would, like, be okay with him, like, murdering people for her. It's not like a serial killer marriage where she'd be like, You killed all these people? For me? Oh, baby, you're so sweet. But, like, honestly, who knows at this point? <sighs> So, uh, naturally, the people who went after Katara are gonna go after him next, so I'm looking forward to him at least getting punched in the face or something. And Zuko just doesn't even give a shit about that, and I don't even fucking blame him. Uh, there's a line here, so normally, like, grammatical errors kind of annoy me, uh, but <sighs> I'm gonna read one line. Did they also forget that his dad, the fucking Fire Lord, was, I don't know, their enemy? So the random switch to first person 
even though it's just the narrator talking, none of it has been in first person. What? But the best part of this is that fucking is capitalized for some reason, which I really love. I think instead of making up, like, some bullshit title for himself in the finale, he should have just added fucking in front of his title. I would have been so there for that. So, you know, speaking of people, like, going after him, like, Hama just shows up in his office or something. And here is precisely where I believe that we go off the rails of the crazy train. (laughs) So this is really the decided line that marks the step into insanity for me. So if you took a quote from any part of like the latter half of chapter 25 and anywhere onwards and like showed it to someone with no context, they'd be like, what the fuck? But like not even what the fuck in a gross way, but like a what the fuck innocent. I'm so confused. What the hell is going on? This makes no sense. What are the character relationships? They shouldn't be happening. And what the fuck? weird shit did this author introduce into the universe so it just gets so far from source material that you feel like you've slipped into an alternate reality or something i'm not saying this fic is like an au but you are in an au or like the author exists in an au and like has somehow posted this on the internet in our world or, like, the internet connects our two realities. Like, there's something to be said, uh, like, a worthwhile discussion to be had about how far from canon you can get before you just get such this weird feeling of disconnect that I start getting here. I mean, like, yeah, there are AU fix, but this one just started off kind of, you know, relatively normal. It's steadily getting stranger as time goes on, and oh man... I'm not going to say if this is a good or bad thing. I honestly don't know if it's a good or bad thing. It's a unique thing. There's not really anything I've read that has ever made me feel like I'm slowly slipping into insanity before. That's really why I'm kind of fascinated by this author. Because just the surrealism and like the steady descent... I've read some other pretty surreal stuff in my time. It's not that hard to write something surreal. But just how this evolves into insanity is really fascinating to me anyway the first time i read this i was like more like skimming and and this is really just where i lost track of everything and anything that was happening and so strap in kids if you're not already strapped in from the events of chapter 22 so because uh, apparently no one in the show has mom hama filled the role of mom for him when he was a kid let's also remember that shin's his cousin so it's like not totally random to choose her as his adoptive mother and we learned that he was like raised outside the palace because they thought he was cursed <laughs> i don't know if that's actually canon like i feel like people canonically thought he was cursed <laughs> but anyway yeah we get uh, in flashback we get like a, a six-year-old version of him saying like very excitedly i'll have them executed just like my dad and then he pretends to kill an imaginary person like the latter is kind of a normal six-year-old thing to do but like i was a pretty violent child but like the execution thing (laughs) so she definitely has a mommy kink because you can tell she's into him she's really into him and in upcoming chapters like her sole directive is just to fuck him and you think i'm exaggerating but i'm not (laughs) so this character only appeared for one episode in the show but like wasn't her whole thing that she really, really hated the Fire Nation? Like, okay, maybe she fucked some dude, then killed them back in the day. Because, I mean, that doesn't sound ridiculously out of character, like, basically everything else going on here. But they gave her the prince to raise, and she was like, yep, I'm gonna love and cherish him more than my own actual son. Like, what? She was so bitter about everything. Like, he was six, but she just probably would have murdered him. And in the present day, like... 
she hates the Fire Nation. Why is she just chilling with the Fire Lord and trying to fuck him instead of killing him? Later in the fic, she fights in a physical battle against the Northern Water Tribe for the Fire Nation. So even if we're saying like, oh, the kid, you know, won her heart and then continues to win her heart in the present day, in the midst of everything, all the kidnapping she was doing during the show of innocent civilians? What? <sighs> Just try not to think about it too hard. Her character is so insanely far removed from canon that if you, you try to contextualize it in this fic, you might die immediately. The, the one possible explanation I can think of for this is that it's actually just her siren that was really full of hate and all that fun stuff, and she herself is kind of over it and... You know, her siren was the one kidnapping all those people. And they just have conflicting motives. And we never really learn what the hell her motives are in the fic anyways. But still, what the fuck is going on here? So, here in the in the present time, um, she kisses him to, like, awaken his ability. And it's kind of like the siren thing. Except it's really just out of nowhere. Uh, so, there's this other mythical creature, um, the phoenix. He's not a literal bird, but, you know, like... He has a weird power. Um, I'm assuming the author used this as backstory to explain the title that he just like pulled out of his ass before he tried to destroy the world in the series. But I I'm personally, I, I didn't come up with this theory, but I subscribe to it. I'm of the opinion that when he was an edgy teenager, the Phoenix King was like his overpowered Mary Sue OC. And like, I really would like see him drawing it and ask like, hey, is it anime? And he'd just be like, no, it's not. Leave me alone. You don't understand me. So yeah. And now the ability uh, he has is that he can't be harmed by fire, so he tries engulfing his body in flame to become the walking dumpster fire. We all knew he was. <laughs> so he returns to Katara, who's still, like, unconscious from the whole ordeal, and, like, Suki's watching over her, and she, she stabs him when he walks in, just out of sheer paranoia, and he, like, fucking transforms in front of her, like, he has fucking glowing eyes and claws and like when she stabs him he bleeds fire and like it doesn't affect him and he's like i'm immortal bitches and like he has like badass like black fire now like so that's metal as fuck but i'm also really freaked out he's like literally a demon now quick question can he come fire now can he come fire in general this is this is a question i've had about this universe for a long time it's also kind of like my staple whenever i write for this fan Penis firebending is, it's my thing. It's the Wenchik Slavicus trademark. So, you have that really intense scene, and it's metal as fuck and shit, but and right in the next scene, orbs. <laughs> I love how this author says orbs. Like, it's just so bad, but so good. So, the reason I really think this goes off the crazy train here is, yeah, this is kind of similar to the stuff with the siren, and I, I do like the siren thing, kind of. But this is just so out of nowhere with no foreshadowing. Like, the siren was steadily built up, and they gradually added new attributes and abilities over the course of the fic. So I, that was better developed. So th that's like, you know, like walking down this kind of dimly lit, scary tunnel. But at least at this point in the fic, you it's, it's looking like you're going to make it to the other side. But the phoenix is like a baseball bat hitting you right in the balls before you can even see the tunnel. The suddenness of this is just insane to me. Uh, Katara finally wakes up and like she senses that something's off about him because he's like starting to transcend human form in a subtle way, but it's happening. His hands are super cold. Bitch, the fuck me too. My hands are cold all the fucking time. Like, 
it's starting to not be winter as of now, but oh my god, during winter my hands are freezing. But anyway, and it says, for the first time he smiled a non-mischievous smile. And I'm assuming this is for the first time in his fucking life, because I know I'm just giving a summary of this, but I haven't emphasized just how much he smirks. It pisses me off. So like, imagine in, in every scene that I describe, like, he just smirks at least five times. <laughs> Maybe a little less than that. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. He smirks so much. Oh my god. So yeah, she doesn't remember being kidnapped or anything that happened to her. So he tells her like, oh, nothing happened. And you know, also I'm normal. I'm totally not transcending human form and turning into a demon or anything. I don't know what you're talking about. When she wakes up, like someone's like, your majesty, are you feeling any nausea or discomfort? I am. I sure fucking am. We have a minor thing happening here. Sokka tackles the guard who fucked his girlfriend. That was somewhat satisfying, but it was, like, nowhere near as satisfying as it was, like, getting punched in the face. Which really needs to happen again, I think. He's also, like, the Grinch. Like, winter festivities are pointless. I see people all the time. Why do I have to see them, like, especially now? What's so exciting about that? Fuck celebration. I'm evil. I don't need to be happy ever. And also casually mentions that he severed Shin's arm. I was not aware of this, but, like, oh my god. Guy deserved it. Fucking honestly. Ugh, piece of shit. We get to, like, a sex scene in which the author describes the warm sheath of her pussy. <laughs> the siren takes over as they're getting into it, and uh, that bitch, man, she even rivals Oda's inability to keep it in his pants. Like, she wants to keep the body, basically, until he fucks her, because she just needs that D. And he's, like, pissed off about this, so they decide to try anal. <laughs> <laughs> he's just brutally fucking her but she's just like harder and like hey I think she'd be real sore after that not to mention that her ass would be bleeding a lot um, and meanwhile Suki and Kimiko are just like standing outside with the breakfast tray and like waiting for them to finish having sex <laughs> and, like he still has a boner when they walk in and Suki's like wow what a sight to behold wait fuck I don't want to think like that Personally, I hate kind of that he has a small dick because he's like, oh, he's trying so hard to compensate for everything at all times. Uh, this siren is just so horny that she slaps the breakfast tray out of her hands and they just go back to having sex in front of them. Oh my god. Oh my god. Then the siren proves to be an absolute sadist. Like, alright, power couple here. <laughs> he threatens to tie her up, but it says the siren's into that thing. <laughs> That's not a threat. And then we have, like, our little Phoenix King roll credits moment. Please, <laughs> roll credits. I want this to be over. Oh, man. And then, like, because Katara wouldn't do this, the siren, while she's in controlling the body, like, gives away, like, all these secrets about, like, Aang not being fully trained. And then after this, she's like, enough business. Screw me on the desk right now. Like I said, there are too many characters here whose main personality trait is that they are horny constantly. Another scene here, just, these are so funny, but so awful in every way, <laughs> but Asuki murders Zuko with words and like breaks his soul because he's like mad at her like, hey, you're kind of cheating on your boyfriend with like some older dude. You didn't even have the decency to break things off with Sokka before you start fucking some other guy. And she's just like, it's none of your 
business why I'm fucking and then like goes totally an ad hominem attack like you're just mad because guitar is fucking your dad and, and like in love with him and shit like that's nasty and then he's like no she isn't oh my god and then she murders him he just has a moment of despair she's like well why is she having his child and then like I wanted him to do the no stream Darth Vader style oh my god this is so awful it's so awful Surrealism and also awful. And then, meanwhile, in the narration, Tuff calls Suki a hoe bag. <laughs> I'm gonna have to use that. Just a hoe bag. Not even, not just a hoe, just a, a hoe bag. Anyway, so we get to the winter ball that they've been kind of talking about on and off for a while. So, our main couple just discusses some date ideas other than just like lying in bed together and having sex. What they could come up with is like cute date ideas, assassinate your political enemies together. I'd be into that personally. Assassinating capitalists is my cake. So they go down into the market in town and everyone's terrified of them. Like he just he doesn't know how to interact with regular people. Like social awkwardness and overconfidence is such a great combination of traits to write. In All Hell, which I wrote. I, I love writing him because of that. He just fucking doesn't know how to do anything. But he's just still like, like uh, yes, I know what I'm doing. He doesn't know what he's doing at all. Anyway, well, yeah, I'll admit, in this chapter, they're like actually pretty functional and they don't constantly fight. He, he loosens up a bit and you can, like, ew, tell that they're in love with each other. Like, could I go as far as to call it um, I'm squeamish about this pairing, and I always will be, but I don't want to speak too soon either. Besides having skimmed this fic before, I know that it goes back downhill, so I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> Meanwhile, the gang is just, like, sneaking around the palace to get some plans, and then, like, they discover that the plans are a trap, because, uh, he has, a, like, a treaty, but they think, oh, he's just so that he can get all the remaining world leaders together and kill them all at once! <laughs> Oh my god. And then this poor child. Izuko's already been murdered with words. He's not suffered enough, apparently, because he sees them as she finally says, I love you to his father, and then they just start having sex in front of him. Oh, that poor child. Oh my god. Like, in this fic, he's an asshole, but he doesn't deserve that. Also, uh, like, because it's the ball, like, she wants to dance with Ozai, but he's like, no. And she has to say, like, I used to dance with Zuko, and he gets all jealous. Like, that's nothing compared to what Zuko just witnessed. <laughs> so he shut the fuck up. Okay, and then Hama shows up again and tries to steal her man. And ends up kissing Katara because awakening abilities? Like she did with Ozai again? Uh, yeah, I, okay. That's the thing. Uh, apparently Katara also can't go more than five chapters without getting kidnapped. Uh, not much happens here, it's just kind of to tie up the plot thread where all the nobles are racists and want her dead. There's a quote, hair pulled out of its bum. I think they meant bun, but oh, funny thing, I saw this exact mistake in a totally unrelated fic, and it was also this pairing, because I hate my life. Uh, semen math that if you if you want to check out that episode it's called semen math because i do about six minutes of calculations about just how big of a load he nuts in one single ejaculation and the conclusion was that it was between uh 420 and 5,000 years worth of cum 
you can listen to that episode if you want to hear more about how much combat is. <laughs> anyway, so she decides to fight against the nobles, and we finally get a scene of her being badass. She does this thing where she freezes water from the air on her fingertips so that she has ice claws. Like, I think that's actually totally fucking cool and metal as fuck. I don't, I don't think they ever did that in the show, but like... They should've, because that's metal as fuck. <laughs> then she bloodbends a bunch of nobles at once, then she's just like, Don't fuck with me, bitch! So finally we <laughs> get her being badass after so long of not being badass, and then like she brings the like nobles, and she's like, How's I look? And then Hama also has the same reaction to me, like, That's my girl! <laughs> and, uh, by the way, she, Hama's just kind of there, and she just continues to kind of be there for a while uh, and that's really the end of the racist nobles and that was it was satisfying but it was kind of anticlimactic like that plot thread was going on for so long and they spent so much time on it and i didn't think they would get taken down in one scene and you know that would be the end of it but it is Anyway, I'm kind of glad that plot thread was over, and it was, like, too political, and the OCs, like, all have one personality trait each. <laughs> uh, it wasn't very interesting to me. So then we cut to the gang waking up from a wild night of drunken fun. I don't recall what preceded this in the narrative, but uh, they don't either, I guess. Here's a quote for y'all. Um, laying face down with on his bed with his head in his pillow, trying to keep the sun from getting in his eyes. Why is that a full sentence? Yeah, that's another thing the author does. Like, she just... That's not a full sentence. Agni, he drank way too much last night with Sokka. The tribesman took him out for drinks to get his mind off of Katara. Also, Sokka looked like he needed a drink himself, losing his girlfriend, too. Drunk into the night, they chanted on their way home how they hated firebenders and the Fire Nation. Now that the morning brought with it not only the light of a new day, but the consequence of yesterday... <laughs> So this clearly makes it sound like they fucked. <laughs> I wish they had, because I need a break from this heterosexual nonsense. And, like, he, he really needs to get over Katara, because, like, yeah. But what actually happens is also pretty good. <laughs> like, Toph just crawls out from under the covers, and as usual, she just gives no fucks at all that, like, last night she fucked Sokka while Zuko watched. And she also tells Zuko that he has a small dick. <laughs> So this is the good content that I'm here for, and this chapter's pretty satisfying so far. Alright, so now that Hama's in the story again, we gotta get more flashbacks detailing her relationship with Ozai and how he was her adoptive son. Like, he has an Oedipus complex. I mean, at least it's not his biological mother, like, I guess that would be less gross. Um, he's like, when I grow up, I'll marry you and you'll be my princess. And she also tells him, uh, he's seven, that women will fling themselves at him when he's older. Like, why do people do this? First of all, the, the kid is too young for you to be throwing romance and sex at him already. And it's like, second of all... What if you turned out to be gay? Like, I'm, as a gay person myself, it was kind of upsetting to, like, have people just assume that I was gonna be straight when I grew up and still assume that, even though, like, other gay people can tell that I'm gay just, like, by looking at me for a single moment. I don't even have short hair. They just know. <sighs> but, yeah, um, uh, he could have been gay when he grew up. I mean, like, I haven't seen a serious fic portraying him as such nor is he here but at least in a romantic sense but like he'll rape whoever the fuck he wants because y'all are sick but consider the evidence 
So entirely possible that he wasn't even attracted to his wife in canon. And in this fic, he wasn't at all, they say. He's such a fucking drama queen. He's so extra, oh my god. Also, what straight man would put that much effort into their physical appearance? Like, you're like, oh yeah, straight guys work out a lot, I guess. Uh, like, But the hair, the hair. Who, what straight man puts that much care into their luscious mane? Like, I rest my case. Anyway, he clearly has a type. Uh, he does that thing where that's a no-no and he compares dark skin to food items. It's kind of weird to have a seven-year-old saying that, but you know, whatever. <laughs> we then uh, cut to seven years later where his father's beating the shit out of him. Uh, this flashback is told from Iroh's perspective and he's actually really shitty here. Like, he's like, yeah, the kid was cursed and he killed my mom. Here, the whole Phoenix thing is hinted at through dialogue. Uh, so we know that people are aware of it, uh, but Iroh didn't know. And we go back to the present day where he's figuring out, like, oh, that's what they were talking about. And, like, how the Phoenix bloodline was almost entirely killed off. And, of course, there are, like, some arbitrary and conflict-convenient rules that he can't die unless he gets killed by someone close to him. Uh, it's stupid. Meanwhile, uh, Katara starts training with Hama again, and there's, like, this shit about how she's going soft from being in the palace. But, like, she just annihilated all those nobles and, like the last chapter with no problem whatsoever like it would have made sense if they'd said this before she did that because she didn't really do much of anything the whole rest of the time uh, also this author clearly doesn't know the difference between the words mediation and meditation so we get more clarification on the history of all of these super powerful creatures so you know all this shit doesn't seem that completely insane and the concept gets fleshed out a little more so basically all the like ancient creatures are either extinct or near extinct and there are some other ones too that aren't just like sirens and phoenixes like there's dragons stone creatures and sky spirits like uh it says dragons and phoenixes are natural enemies you know just because it's kind of eh, it's important ish later uh and in spite of what they said the dragons are not super rare because i don't know it's like seems like every time we flash back to a character we haven't seen in a while it's like oh they're a dragon so we get another ability, um, she can freeze water and use it as a portal, I guess? Anyway, she, like, sees Osai drinking wine in the middle of the day. Me. And she's like, boy. And he's like, why are you spying on me? Oh my god, go back to training. And then he thinks to himself, like, how cute. She can't even get through training without thinking of me. Oh my, okay, fine. Okay, fine. They have some cute moments. I'll fucking say that. I'll admit that it, it, and it's kind of cute that he just like that's what he thinks to himself uh, without smirking uh, I don't ship it and I never will but like they have a few genuinely nice moments <sighs> we get a flashback again with Kimiko involved uh, this is a flashback to when Ozai was planning to take the throne uh, <laughs> Kimiko asks are you really gonna kill your kid and then he's like well my dad tried to kill me plenty of times like it'll, it'll make him stronger and build some character and then she thinks to herself he has a point no he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't have a point uh, also we learn to no one's surprise that he's responsible for his nephew's death <laughs> meanwhile in the present day <laughs> He's having a bad time because his phoenix powers... I don't know why I wrote this in my notes, but these are my words. His phoenix powers are making his noggin do an ouchie. I don't know why I wrote that, but... I think I'm so funny. Oh my god. So then, like, Katara, like, sees it eventually, and then she's like, 
we need to get you to a physician. Do I look like I need a physician? Well, yes. <laughs> That's their exchange. And she feels his chest, and he doesn't have a heartbeat. And there's, like, she can't feel any blood flowing. That's creepy as shit. And he's, like, all cold. And I, I actually think that was so cool. That was creepy in a way that isn't, like, uh, pedophilia creepy, like a lot of other ways that he's creepy, but that's kind of badass, actually. <laughs> if it had been developed, like, the siren thing had been developed, then it could have been cool as shit, but it is not that cool, because it was just really just shoved in there. Oh, so now she knows that something's up. Uh, he's been hiding all this from her, but she's gonna find out now. So, all right. Let's take a break from what's happening in the story to look at the larger picture. So who the fuck are, are we supposed to want to win the war? Like, this next chapter coming up is, I feel like it's really the first time that her moral dilemma on whose side she's on really becomes a thing. It's, it's really late, too. It's, I don't know the exact chapter, but we're in um, the late 20s. This has 37 chapters. So most of our focus is on the protagonists who are evil, but meanwhile, Aang and company aren't demonized in any way. Uh, we know there's not going to be a truce because, you know, Ozai's just not like that. He's not going to make any compromises. Like, so I don't really know what the stakes are. So either the protagonists who we have theoretically come to know and love win and do evil shit or the actual good guys win at uh, the main couple's expense. Like, I feel like the author really missed an opportunity to work character development. She had plenty of time to do it, but I feel like the conflict is really only coming up in these later chapters, whereas it should have been introduced way earlier. So it would have been cool to see Katara go to the dark side. It, like, it seems like her only concern in the war is that Ozai and her family, they don't die. Even in, at the South Pole, she was, like, mad at him because he was being possessive. And, like, for his personal crimes against her and her family, like, nothing larger than that. She, she didn't really seem disturbed that he was going to take over the territory no matter what the people wanted. He asked her to choose a side in the next chapter that we discuss, which is why I bring it up now and she can't decide. But it really doesn't feel like she's thought about it that much before like she doesn't have a crisis of morality longer than like a paragraph aside from this one in spite the fic really it's being it's named after her inability to pick a side like the question is where do you stand and ah fucking no i don't know <laughs> the other could have worked with it and sent her like spiraling into evil it would have been pretty cool to get dark katara uh but she remains pretty indifferent to most things really uh or alternatively this could have been Kind of, this is a more stereotypical and cheesy one, but like, it was like, it's redeemed by the power of love. <laughs> like, yeah, he he does end up deeply caring for someone, but it doesn't make him a better person in any way. Like, he's still executing people left and right here. I, I don't know. Uh, that would have been kind of cheesier, but like, that's still a thing that could have happened. But here's something I think that would have been really cool. Like, if they'd kind of like switch sides, like, she turned evil while he like found his moral compass. I think that could have been really interesting. So uh, either way, I feel like this was a missed opportunity. There was plenty of time to develop the characters, have them change over the course of the fic, but I feel like she's just counting on the romance between them as a character development thing-ish. They don't really develop that much over the story. Even the minor characters are like limited to one or two personality traits each. 
Uh, she really could have made it clear what we're supposed to feel about the war if she, like, kind of emphasized the moral struggle more. And, like, don't give me that morally ambiguous shit, because, like, Ozai is definitely still evil. He's, like, murdering people constantly, like, and Katara's, like, she's pretty passive about everything. I, I, I still have no idea who the hell we're supposed to want to win the war. <sighs> anyway, we're not done with this. Uh, let's continue. <laughs> So we get a scene of uh, the gang, you know, they're just chilling together uh, and having a meal, but, like, the exes get into a fight, so this is the second time Suki's dropped this line on someone in a fight, and then the third time in total that someone has done it in general, like, she's just like, well, I don't know what this has to do with anything about your sister's f***ing in. And then... I love all their different reactions to this. Because, <laughs> you know, like, Hokoto just snaps and, like, tries to kill Ozai, like, which should have happened. Uh, then, like, Zuko has a moment of just such deep despair. And then, but here, <laughs> Sokka just runs away. <laughs> He's just, like, I don't know what that's supposed to do for you, but I love it. <laughs> anyway. Meanwhile, we're going to introduce, the, there's an arc coming up with uh, how Arnuk wants to make a deal that he'll relinquish some Fire Nation territory that he captured if they trade him Katara, but we know that's not happening. Uh, so, yeah, there's an arc coming up with that, but there's still a little bit more to get through. So there's a little factory worker subplot. There's a protest where the workers are mad because their wages are low, because you know, all the money's going towards the war. Sound like America, anyone? <laughs> fucking capitalist swine she goes to see what's up and and like i don't know like the guy escorting her is like shouldn't you ask your husband if you can go because like fuck you she's still his property and then right in front of her he threatens to kill the guy if she is harmed and we, we know he's not joking because she's done stuff like this before but she's just like cool i get to go to the factory and this isn't really helping the difference she exudes about choosing a side and then she's just thinking like oh you can't even be nice when he tries it's so cute isn't he adorable but then when she does hear that he's gonna burn the village to the ground because they're technically rebelling she's just like oh that's bad uh, oh well so yeah she goes to help but things don't go very well because she's now bourgeoisie swine she uh yeah she ends up bloodbending some people it's like uh, it doesn't go very well and yeah she's basically it shows she's losing her connection to the proletariat because she's royalty now okay now this part i was so excited about i just like previewing the next chapter like i was gonna read like the next day or something and like it said like oh there's smut in this chapter like you know, whatever, I don't really care about that, but it was, like, male, female, smut, like, yeah, that's normal, and then it was, like, femme slash, and it's, like, what, there are gays in this story? <laughs> I don't really care about, like, the smut, but it's, like, oh my god, who's gay? I need that gay shit, please give me the gay shit. <laughs> like, sweet really from all this heterosexual nonsense, I'm so excited, I was so excited for it. And it was, it's pretty unexpected, like, I figured Hama would be involved, because she just, like, is so horny constantly. Uh, but she fucks Kimiko, actually, who is apparently a closet lesbian, who had a thing for Katara the whole time, and I really needed this, I really needed this. So this also goes, uh, into establishing that Hama, or, like, rather her siren, with its cool siren power, just kind of knows things about people. They give Suki a tragic backstory, which she just kind of knew about but anyway this is rude uh she outs kimiko in front of everyone don't out people against their will that's not cool 
But, like, it's really weird because Kimiko is, like, high-key the straightest character in, in the fic. And, like, we know that she had incesty thoughts about her brother, but yes, give me that gay shit. <laughs> like, it's coming up for air after you thought all that hope for anything gay was gone. And, and, and they fuck because oh, Siren's a horny motherfucker. Horny motherfucker. And they basically use each other as substitutes for the people they actually want to fuck. <laughs> Something they say is, like crouching behind her instead of crouching behind her I, I don't know they also do this weird thing that you should put an end of an icicle inside their pussies <laughs> what that's i've never heard of that before um yeah I, okay i know about strap bombs i've used them myself but <laughs> an icicle what <laughs> oh, huh. also the author keeps saying wombs wombs have nothing to do with this just say pussy oh my god that's a recurring thing so also for the way this is like She's kind of fucks her like sort of adoptive mother and who's also Shin's mother and they mentioned this way earlier but it really isn't really relevant to anything but she was like low-key married to Shin and, and like hated him so like she fucks his mom so like that's cool like I guess this is a common theme like, where you just fuck someone and then you you fuck their parent next like Shin deserves to get cucked way more than Zuko so that's good. <laughs> By the way, Shin is just kind of floating around in a block of ice now. I like that, but unfortunately he comes back. Couldn't he just stay in his goddamn ice block? So uh, the couple of pain is fighting again. They're back to fighting after they had like a kind of relatively peaceful period. Because um, he won't tell her about the weird Phoenix shit. Um, it also casually mentions that she tries to suffocate him while he sleeps a couple times. I have questions. This is like the sentence where she said that she slaps and strangles him for a giggle. I, I, like, what? I'm just like, girl, what, what is happening here? Uh, she's so sexually frustrated because she's so angry at him. And like, Hama talks to her about it. And like, I thought they were going to fuck for a moment. But the siren just says to her, like, make yourself a fat frozen cock and go fuck yourself. <laughs> so that's kind of better when I better than what I expected. So uh, he doesn't think she should be angry at him, and he's just like, oh my god, what does a guy have to do around here? I've like been so good to her, I, you know, I conquered her homeland against its will. I, I tried really hard not to rape her, and I treated her like a breeding machine that's just my property, and I like didn't murder her family, like what more could a woman want? The bar's low. <laughs> the bar's so low. Now the moral dilemma comes up, whose side is she on? She's still like, I guess I can't be against you. And he's just like, okay, I'll take it for now. So they're just discussing finances, and then suddenly we're in a sex scene. I wanted them to keep talking about finances while they fucked. Like, she's getting bent over the desk. Like, I'm thinking we can make cuts to the navy 24 percent of the war budget is kind of a lot to give to them and then like he's ramming her hard in the ass like mm, yes perhaps we can shift that to our ground soldiers also author a woman a pussy are not the same thing so stop using it as a synonym for a vagina if if, if he thrusts hard into her womb like you say he's he's gonna injure the clump of cells that shouldn't exist <laughs> just say, say it with me now say it with say it with me pussy 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 <laughs> also there's this line he pounded her little cunt <laughs> oh my god i'll take it but you need to start saying that instead of womb <laughs> oh my god and she says seed again which i hate so much just say calm like a normal fucking person
So eventually she does find about the Phoenix thing, and like he has another episode where he kind of gets crazy again, and then they fight again. We have to make it clear that the like the one stretch of the fic where they weren't constantly arguing is, is dead now. And then we get clarification that neither the main characters nor us, the audience, are supposed to know what the hell Hama's motives are in any of this. So, I mean, like, okay, I'm not missing anything, I guess. Uh, and then she becomes a consort, because remember that uh, they had, like, a deal going with Arnook where she was going to trade them back some territory that he captured in exchange for Katara. Like, she's going to pretend to be her when they make the deal. Uh, meanwhile, fetish. <laughs> Guys, um, get more teenage pregnancy, because fuck you. Because, uh, you know, Suki has a new boyfriend who's an OC. You have a fetish for this. I think you really have a fetish for this, Adam. Like, that's really the only explanation for this. Like, you know, sometimes a fic of this length, like, will do that. But you, you do it so much. Like, it, 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 like, you even brought it up way early in the fic. And then, like, you really, you use gross words during sex that clearly apply to procreation, even though, even though they're not trying to procreate a lot of the time. And then you have these nasty as fuck euphemisms are not euphemisms they're much worse than actual things oh god uh, oh my god and then we'll get to this later uh, you're like okay twins clearly she's so big why don't we break that up an uncomfortable amount of times and get very uncomfortable dialogue and weird and gross phrasing uh, which is like yeah i'll get to that as soon as we f i finish this little rant uh, and now you do it to a character in a subplot y'all have a f you have a fetish i'm sorry that's the only explanation i can think of for this so yeah and these people have contraceptives why do they never use them like does no one know that morning sickness is a thing like, i thought it was just common knowledge but apparently not in this author's rendition of the avatar universe or maybe they're just in denial who knows <sighs> and then suddenly we cut to four months later it was like really out of nowhere and they even did it like in the middle of a chapter it's really weird because we get all this detailed description of a time in the fic where like not even that much is happening and you're expecting me to believe that no drama happened in those four months like they do do flashbacks but it's still like just kind of jarring so it's time to dissociate again because we all know that the reason they skipped four months ahead was that <laughs> Because the kids that are abomination kids. I don't like this. So then we introduce a new character, Jade, who's really not important at all. <laughs> but she makes this a really gross comment. She says, like, I thought you were six months pregnant, but it looks like you're going to burst. Why did you have to fucking say that? Fetish. That's why. Fetish. And apparently, yeah, she's having twins because, you know, double the double the abuse and like she's finally made up her mind what side she's on and you guessed it do i even have to say it do i even have to say whose side she's on at this point fire nation so then the surrealism just kicks in real hard again and you get the main couple talking about the and i was like suddenly hit with a wave of what the fuck like, most of the time I'm just reading this, and I'm like, okay, this is weird, but, like, I'm, and I'm willing to accept it as, like, some sort of reality, like, the other times, like, this, like, I'm like, oh my god, what, what, like, Katara's having Ozai's that's so fucking weird, and, like, it just hits me, and I'm like, my brain is gone, <laughs> and he's, like, kind of pure here, and, like, all he could, says, all he could think of was seeing his 
wife and spending time with her. And then there's this quote, it almost felt to him as if he had fallen in love with, in love her, this, this author shit at proofreading, in love her again and again, each time the sun rose and woke them from their sleep, his eyes falling on her beautiful form curled close to him. If this was his gift for surviving all those dark years of his life, then he was more than happy that he had endured them. So that just makes it, like, even more surreal, in my opinion. Because, like, we didn't know he was he was capable of love, you know. Then he ruins it by telling her to kill Zuko. <laughs> but he's just kidding, you know? Like, is, is this really a man you want to raise with? Anima of the Moon's rendition of Katara, is it? Uh, but why he's actually extra happy is because Azula's coming home. And this is going to go down weird. I, here I was, like, genuinely curious what was going to happen. In the meantime, Zuko's, like, still angsty and wants to steal back his girl. Like, just, just give up. Just give up. Just give up. It's not only is she too far gone, but it's kind of weird to fuck the mother of your half siblings. And meanwhile, uh, Sokka and Toph officially become an item, and people keep roasting Zuko for how his dad stole his girl. Like, the kid has it hard enough. Find something else to mock him with, because even though he's kind of a dick in this fic, like, this is harsh. That's so harsh. And then, so they're plotting something. We get something that lines up with canon here, and, and where the plan involves removing Ozoi's bending, which just makes it more surreal. Because everything is super fucked up, and then there's this one normal thing in the midst of it all, and it's just, like, really out of place. And then they also say they're going to be part of the Arnook arc, and they're going to do that. And then Toph calls Ozai Papa Sparky. He had a flashback to two months earlier. Uh, is like, being angry about the whole Phoenix thing and how he's hiding from her. She makes a portal to run away, because she's just that pissed off. And, like, he comes and finds her in, in his, like, scary, undead monster form. And they, like, actually fight physically. Is that so unhealthy? And it's just like, uh, her thought process when she sees him is like, that looks like my husband, but also a monster. Like, he's already metaphorically a monster. He's just taking his true form. Like, literally, he's, he's taking his true form. So yeah, he's fucking insane. And she has like this ice blade and he just slits his own throat. But he can't die. So she's like freaking the fuck out. But he's just like, well, you wanted to know what the deal was. And then he like, puts his hand on her head to give her the memories of his entire life. Okay, I, someone was high during this scene. I don't know if it was me, the author, or the characters. Maybe all of us. But anyway, they make up a week later and she pledges her allegiance to him. Oh boy. Well, um... How much of this do I have left? Oh god, I still have a lot. Then we get Hama being weird and horny, because that's her entire personality in this fic. Uh, she's like, I'm gonna steal your man, because that's her sole directive in this fic. Is she's, so she starts jerking Ozai off while he's sleeping, and like she's bloodbending guitar to keep her away. And like, it says uh, that he's like one of the lightest sleepers that she knew. Like, what about all the times that the author casually mentioned that you blew him in his sleep? <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, anyway, she gets thrown off the balcony. I guess that's that. But she starts plotting more shit, which involves taking Shin out of his little ice block, and he comes back. I hate that, because fuck him, he's an asshole. While we're still in kind of a surreal mood, it's so strange that the character Hama is depicted so differently than how she was in canon. Like, from the backstory, to the reverse aging, to her entire personality being based around how horny she is, it's, like, so weird. Like, if you try to contextualize it within the show, you, like, might accidentally start astral projecting. And then, so yeah, we get to the Arnook arc. 
that's been built up a little bit now. Uh, so he's going to go meet him, and he leaves Katara in charge of the court, which is, you know, only kind of weird at first. And you're like, Katara's running the Fire Nation. That, that's the thing that's happening. That's the thing. In the middle of the war, like, that actually occurred in, in the show. Like, what? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> this is just, like, this weirdly worded, like, dropping these babies. Like, she's dropping her new mixtape. These are her songs. I, I don't know why it was phrased like that. Anyway, while they're saying goodbye, it's like, you lazy bitch making out with her. I hope you drown. And like, she goes to suck his dick or something. Like, fucking straight people. And she's all like, I'm gonna miss him. He's gonna be gone a whole month. I can't live without him. Oh, bitch, shut the fuck up. I get to say that from personal experience, too. And there's, like, arbitrary portal magic rules. So she can, like, ice portal Skype him. And then, like, like I said, Shin comes back, and he's just... Uh, I fucking hate him. I like. I thought we were done with this character. I, I don't even love to hate him. I just hate him. He, he's annoying, and, and uh, he's gross, and he should have stayed in his block of ice. We don't need another character who his entire personality is being horny. We already have two of them. Oh, my God. And she's, like, really nice to him for some reason, even though he he was a, a, a fucking creepy to her before he even went in the ice block. <laughs> but she could have him executed, but she's like, oh, it's nice to see you. <sighs> But anyway, um, Azula shows up. It's not a good timing, like, because she's, you know, Katara's trying to run a country. <laughs> things are kind of tense, but they don't try to kill each other this time. I would have been down for that, but things are really tense between them, and, like, sh Azula's, like, bragging about some sadistic shit she did while she was out. Katara's thinking, like, it can't be all of Azula's fault she's this terrible... Are you sure about that? Maybe she just naturally has low empathy, but, like, I'm willing to bet it was mostly shitty parenting. Then Shin is a douche, and he tries to rape Katara again because he's a piece of ass, and he's nasty. He just needs to die a painful death. So he, like, asked her to kiss him in exchange for information, but he just fucking can't keep it in his pants. And, like, Azula comes in, and she's like, get out of here, you dick. I needed that. It's honestly... It sounds like the beginning of a love story between them, and that would have been so much better than the fairing we actually get, but it's too late now. Afterwards, like, she's actually trying to be nice to her and, like, kind of feeding her, like, telling her about her past and, like, checking up on her. Uh, this could have been so beautifully gay, but I think they were trying to establish Katara as, like, her new maternal figure, which, you know, is weird because they're the same age. Oh my god. Either way, it would have been pretty cool if we'd gotten more of these two learning not to hate each other. Even if they can't be, like, the main pairing, which I would have been down for. But yeah, I feel like this relationship should have gotten more time. So here we go with the Arnook thing. Uh, Hama's gonna meet him, because she's part of the plan. <laughs> she's, she's like, I loved her ride. It was, like, all the way there and back. <laughs> But anyway, uh, I guess everyone knows that she and Kimiko are a thing because they like start making out on, in the middle of court. I'm down for that shit. But now I'm moving on to the actual travel. She's on a kinky leash. She wants to bang. Ozai, but he doesn't want to fuck her. So he just chains her to a wall. I'm with him here. This is what you get when you can't keep it in your fucking pants. But he also has a hard time keeping it in his pants. Like, oh my god, just because uh, someone got loose and laid on top of you while you were sleeping doesn't mean you have to consider fucking her. Why is this so difficult for you? Like, you don't even have feelings for her. You're just like, oh, hot lady, boom, magic working on me. Weak boy. He doesn't do it, though, because he's loyal to his wife. But, uh, still, oh my god. These characters are all so weak with their horniness. 
it's really not that hard to keep it in your pants. <laughs> also, the gang snuck aboard the boat, which I didn't know it was a thing they did. Like, I knew they were headed to the same place, but, like, when did they get aboard? So then our angsty boy goes to reclaim Katara, but it's it's Hama there instead, posing as a decoy. And she's so horny that she's like, well, I guess, I mean, I can't fuck your dad, so I'll just fuck you instead. And that's the thing, like, oh my god, boy, you're so stupid. Now is not the time to have sex when your father could just come back to the room at any moment. And it would be so stupid, even if he was like a normal-ass dad with no intent on murdering you. But he, oh my god, fucking idiot. Zuko, you dumb. You're so stupid. Keep it in your pants. Oh my god, why can no one keep it in their pants? It's pissing me off so much. Anyway, so Zainori knows what the kid's on board, because, like, he can smell his dragon blood, uh, but he doesn't do anything. Also, apparently, like, everyone has a dragon bloodline, even though I thought these creatures were supposed to be rare as fuck. Anyway, the author somehow misspells Sokka as Simla. S-I-M-L-A? I don't know how that happened. They're on the ship, and Zuko's, like, asking him if he knows who Hama is, and he's like, that old witch! And then he has to explain everything, including that he just fucked her. And then we get Jet the Weed Fuck Boy. He's here. He's here. We're getting the naval battle, uh, and, like, the Fire Nation, our Nooks Alliance has their showdown, and, like, also the, the gang's all here. And then Jet returns, and he still has the weed. That's all I want. Uh, and then you get to uh, the meeting of uh, Ozai and Arnok. He just had a ton of spears pointed at him as they begin their talk, but he just, like, doesn't care at all. Just the knife cat meme just, like, appeared in my head. Uh, and <laughs> So the fight goes down. They try. Uh, they decide to take Arnok prisoner. Um, also, Toph and Zuko get captured, because, you know, people don't fucking change custody enough in this damn fic. And then the, the main couple reunites as the um, arc is over. She keeps, the author fucking keeps saying orbs in the middle of really emotional situations. And then they have sex because they just miss each other so much. Bitch, shut the fuck up. Also, how is, how is he going to control his dick enough to like not have really rough sex with her and, and, you know, injure the things in her uterus? <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, Hama was like, really badly injured during battle and like he, uh, she's suffering and lying down weakness and having a conversation with Ozai she's still trying to get in his pants <laughs> oh my god fuck my entire life <laughs> we start talking about the inheritance here of who's getting the throne and now Katara apparently doesn't want her to inherit the throne? What? I mean, wasn't that the point of having them? Like, this... You mean this didn't have to happen? She just wanted to have them because she could with, like, you know, that guy as her... as their father who could fuck them up so horrifically? That was a really bad idea. I'm just saying. I... Fetish. Fetish. Uh, so Ozai uh, decides to do what he did in canon, which is promote Azula to Fire Lord after he, like, you know, declares himself the ruler of the horribly ravaged and war-torn world. Have fun rising from the ashes, you fucking asshole. So then he also puts her in charge of Zuko, who was taken prisoner again, as I mentioned, and he's just like, oh, fuck Namazua. God, anyone but her, I'm gonna die here, all right? Meanwhile, um, Kimiko just commits trees, and she just leaves. She's just taking it. She's, just, she's had enough of this shit. She's gonna go fight for the other side now. She's, like, bothered by Hama and her entire history and all that shit. Like, weren't- they were sleeping together. They, what? You gave me that gay shit, but it didn't go anywhere. Uh, I'm glad it was there at all. It, it was 
like a breath of fresh air, but like still. And they also pretend that it was so obvious that she was a lesbian the whole time. It really wasn't. She was like the straightest character in the entire thing. Like she was so obsessed with the main couple like getting together and creating for some reason, not to mention that the only love interest we've talked about in the story was the exception to her sexuality. So like, okay. Here we get like some solid evidence that Katara really did choose a side. She's like mad that Kimiko committed treason, you know. Like Ozai's like, just let her go. Uh, he he doesn't know why she's deserting, and they're just like in the middle of a fight. And then, okay, uh, then her water breaks. Cause fuck you. Oh my god. Uh, surrealism is goes hard. It goes hard, so hard during the rest of this fic. This is chapter 33. Uh, I alluded to this in the intro, but this is the birth scene. Uh, he's just like moping around like a little bitch. Like, go fucking hold her hand or something, at least. Like, she's like in labor for like seven hours. Like, oh my god. It just, apparently, it's like against tradition for the fire to like be there during labor. Like, he's like, I'll stay by her side no matter what. And then one of the fire sages is like, you really better not. He's just like, okay. Oh my god. Then he now finally realizes that it was not a good idea to get an 18 year old out of pure jealousy a little late so she's like kind of they're screaming in horrible pain uh, i don't think they have painkillers in this universe and, like it's a twin so that's like even worse like okay and then hama actually does something that's actually decent and doesn't pertain to her being horny all the time and she like goes in there to help and comfort her meanwhile Ozai goes back to work and people are criticizing him because he has a newfound moral compass no he doesn't uh he's still trying to take over the world just because he didn't execute someone doesn't make him not an evil fuck uh, also like he was pretty arbitrary in the show like with zao like he was he let that guy slide he's arbitrary as shit so yeah he then he continues to prove that he is just insane as ever with his little prison visits Shin is in jail for being a rapist and he's like I'm gonna torture him death is too good for him he must suffer I, I agree with that honestly so maybe I'm insane too uh then Arnook is like still pissed off about like how he like forcefully took a water woman and Ozai says like no wonder she chose me because clearly the men at home have nothing to offer oh shit boy the birthing scene finishes and it's really surreal as shit and there are twins and like this is another moment that just jumps so fucking far from canon that you feel like everything's a double vision and you feel like just step back because you've slipped into an alternate reality like am I on acid? I think I'm on acid like just the cognitive dissonance is so amazing like if I rewatch this show I'm like gonna have flashbacks like where they appear like on screen one right after another they never actually interact like my soul's gonna leave my body and float into the void and might not even return this time like this scene took a toll on her she wasn't physically ready to have children so like Kama just puts her in a temporary coma for her own good but then it was like meets the like the best part of the scene which I is weird like oh I'm saying something nice about the scene what the fuck no it's a humorous thing actually uh the best part of the scene is he's just like overwhelmed with like such joy and, and tender love and shit but he still manages to be like I can tell this son's not gonna disappoint me fucking Zuko there's the who's gonna be a firebender uh he just names him i don't know how to pronounce it i don't zr as far as we know he just pulled that name out of his ass on the spot and it has no significance i don't think they ever had a discussion about names as far as i know name never was mentioned anyway so then the it becomes a water siren he leaves katara to name her and she names it after her mother in spite of what i said about the same thing happening in the last fic you know you, you name the you had with the people who kill your mother after your mother fuck logic so the sages aren't happy that it's gonna take until katara wakes up for the girl to get a name they're like it's the waterbender who gives a shit oh my god meanwhile 
Poor Zuko. Oh my god, has he not suffered enough? Oh my god, this fic is insane. Like, actually insane. Like, the author was clearly on drugs at any given moment while writing this. <laughs> We're like in a sensory deprivation tank or something. I think that's just my theory. Uh, so Zuko's like still tormenting him. Here's a direct quote. Like, sucks to know the girl you used to date is having your and then he's gonna get to leave his souls for the coronations because it was, I just wants him to suffer. And then she leaves and he's just trying not to scream in his cell because like, I mean, he's kind of come to terms with the whole situation and, and he thinks it's disgusting. You and me both, buddy, but for me, it's more surreal than gross. When Katara wakes up, I feel like my mind just slips a little further into the void. Uh, explain the name choice for the She's like, I didn't get to meet your mother at the South Pole. And then like, she's like, that's because she's dead. I, I feel like he would know that by now, because at this point, they've almost been together for a whole year. Like, and especially because he did meet her family. It's such a bad idea to decide three months into a relationship, especially when you've spent so much of that time hating each other that you want to have trend. It's just so stupid. Wear condoms, guys. Like, I feel like I'm hallucinating. I, I was pretty sure I was hallucinating as I read this. Like, I don't know if if it's worse that someone wrote this or if it's a product of my own mind. But, like, if I hallucinated this, I'm pretty sure it's God punishing me for something. I don't know what, because, like, there's a lot of things that God could be punishing me for, but he's punishing me. <laughs> so this line... Jose woke with his son lying against his bare chest. Worse, with or without context... You choose. So yeah, then he actually decides to like try being a parent and like tries to take care of the kid. like the the pees on his face right as Suki walks in, which I approve of. Um, then the author makes it clear that how much she hates Ursa. Like she portrayed her as a total bitch and uh, forgiving the wicked, which is the first fic she wrote and and in which she was a pretty major character. And then like, Suki like sees like oh I see you're parenting and he's like well believe it or not my ex-wife was actually a worse parent than i was because she raised our first bird to kill me first of all chill out is it is it even possibly worse than you and secondly like the, the kid just wanted to please you he wasn't planning on murdering you or and, like until he finally came to the light at least like i don't know maybe there's more altered canon stuff going on here but but you, you know you still horribly abused him in various other ways like he was just a kid oh my god and the, the author never really went into detail about their relationship. Uh, they never really talked that much about his ex. The most we got about it is that they didn't love each other, but like at least in the beginning, they got along well enough. So she's just throwing this piece of information out of, out of nowhere with no warning just to justify why he's not going to fuck up his next set of what she's definitely going to do. I, I have no question in my mind. Like, maybe he won't fuck him up as bad, but he, they're going to still need therapy when they're older. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, an assassin goes after Jet and Sokka, and they almost die, and they, they end up faking their own deaths. Uh, the assassin says that Katara sent him, but it was actually Ozai because he's a dick. So Sokka's, like, still so hopeful that, like, oh, my sister's still a good person on our side. We'll fight for the right thing to do. Like, just let it go, man. You're an uncle. Everyone else has accepted that she's a traitor at this point. You gotta do it, too. And then we get a short scene of Aang finishing up a training session. Uh, he's just so tired and miserable. It's like, this poor kid's gonna get his ass kicked now that his enemy is fucking immortal. And the only way they know how to weaken him in his 
Phoenix State is to take away his bending. So like, there's that I believe in you, kid. Be strong. <laughs> the fix is almost over. Like th this level of emotion should have been there the whole time. Like, uh, but here we go. Things are just going too well for our pain couple. Oh, pun. Oh my god, fuck me. So after not fighting for a while, they start fighting again because, you know, he keeps hiding information from her. This time it was because he uh, took Erna prisoner without telling her. And he outright says that he wants her just to blindly trust him. And she's just like, boy. Like, he knows that things are going to get rocky between them with the end of the war coming, which is, you know, like when he achieves world domination and kills a shit ton of people, including her friends and family. He even promised her that her family would be spared. Like, you know, he's still sent an assassin after her brother, and they all think he's dead, so fuck you in the ass. And then he proceeds to make sexual advances on her while she's angry. Like, no means no. Is it really that difficult to comprehend? No is, like, one of the very first words you learn in any fucking language. You really can't get more basic. And then they say orbs again. <laughs> and then... Oh my god, this is such a surreal moment. He's, like, starts sucking on her titty, and she's like, no, that's for the bees. Like, I don't remember smoking any weed, but I must have, like... Also, it's, like, weird, like, I remember that, oh yeah, boobs have a biological function, instead of just being, like, nice little things to play with. But, like, just think about this for a moment, like, if you think about what's happening in this situation... <laughs> it's so weird, and also, kinky, like... I was, like, drinking Katara's breast milk, that's so fucking weird in every single way. <laughs> I feel like I've been hit over the head with a frying pan or some shit and my consciousness has just momentarily been expelled from my person. I just get like a glimpse of all these alternate realities and dimensions before it goes back to my body. Also, he's really, he is jealous of the children because he doesn't like sharing. They end up having sex anyways and he just like falls asleep right after and like he, she just spends the entire night with his dick in her. Then they finally use contraception, oh my god. Oh god, it took fucking long enough, oh my god, why couldn't you have done this earlier? My note here is, there's a quote where she says, I love you, Ozo, and I just, my only note is, don't do that. <laughs> just don't do Like, you guys, I feel like fabric of reality is distorting it's making me kind of paranoid like yeah like but yet she can't be mad at him because she made a choice to side with him at this point and she says he had always been honest with her and never manipulated her bullshit She's so freaking out because like no matter who wins the war, she's gonna lose like this is actually something I like I, I feel like this is actually the first time a character has been in like in a really tight moral bind this whole fic She's gonna have some really difficult choices. The stakes are higher now And all she wants is for her friends and family to be safe even though you know, there's they're all spread out across different sides and she knows it can't happen. So yeah, I feel like we're getting a setup for an emotional climax with a fake here. She has like a conversation with Suki that's like, if we lose the war, just take my and run. Like, don't jump too on her out of nowhere. Like, I mean, y'all are friends and shit, but like, that's a lot to ask. Not to mention like, because the author has a pregnancy fetish, she's gonna have her own one soon. Like, that's a lot of three kids is a lot. God. Like, even though it might be how my mind like, as I wrote these notes, my mind, like, felt like it was expanding out of my skull. Why are the, like, the feels, the emotions, why is it starting to ramp up right now? 
So, like, the main couple here decides to separate for a while so they can focus on work. And it's kind of an emotional scene because, like, yeah, she's his weakness. It's like it's like a breakup, but they will agree it has to be done for their own good, even though neither of them want to do it. And, like, I feel like people would actually shit this. They'd get really emotional here. Like, if they'd built up this concept, man, it could have been good. So this is so much more powerful than having them fight over stupid, trivial shit because they didn't tell each other or something or they like, didn't treat each other right. Like, this is how you write trouble in a relationship that doesn't make you hate one or both of the characters. Like, oh, why is this just starting to happen now? Why, why, why did the author start learning, oh, yeah, this this is how you write things now? But he starts getting really bitter and petty and because she agreed with him that they should be separate. Apparently, she was supposed to fight to stay by his side. Oh, my God. Well, it's, it's like, it's like when someone says, I don't want to talk about it, but they really expect you to ask them more questions, but oh my god, he's so immature, oh my god. <sighs> I'm in constant pain. Anyway, Katara meets Arnok in prison, like, he's real chill about what she is, like, he sees it as a sacrifice that she abandoned her culture and, like, married a megalomaniac so that the South could be revived. He says... I hear he's a bastard of the father, and she's like, he's good to our and they hear your month old He has plenty of time to fuck them up. I mean, like, maybe when Zuko came out of the womb, he was like, I don't like it, put it back. But uh, I don't, he was like that right away. Like, I mean, it took him like 12 years to burn off the side of his face. Like, so, but I mean, then again, when he first sees uh, ZR, the whatever, uh, he's just like, this won't disappoint me. So, you know, maybe she's right. I, I don't know. Meanwhile, Ozai's losing his mind. Uh, he just, like, fucklessly electrocutes Hama for calling him pathetic for missing his wife. And, like, she almost dies. Like, this is normal for him, but I was just surprised. Because it, it, he, like, electrocuted a major character who says something really trivial. Uh, Y'all are weak, boy, boy. Y'all weak. And then he, like, also executes some servants just for gossiping about Katara's, like, so he comes up, like, to serve him or something now that Kimiko's gone, uh, she shouldn't mouth off to him, especially when he did that. And he's also, like, drunk in this scene. He, he doesn't want to kill her, though, he just, like, wants to go get her some fruit for their anniversary. Because fucking, I guess that's romantic. Fruit is really romantic. But you see what I mean. Uh, she him, but she has no moral qualms about, you know, how he will burn people alive for her. And then he starts having hallucinations. I f also feel like I'm having hallucinations. <laughs> so yeah, same. But instead of imagining an insane scenario, he's just hearing his father in his head calling him a little bitch. So then he just calls uh, Katara and Azula to the throne room to talk about, you know, the comet and like destroying Bossing Say. And Katara's just like, I can't hear anything you're saying about killing innocent civilians in mass. I'm just gonna ignore your genocidal tendencies because I love you so much. But then she finally snaps. It takes her so long. And she's just like, uh, I mean, I can't stop you from taking over the world, but I'm not going to be your queen, bitch. And he just has, he has a psychotic break here. He attacks her and then, like, accuses her of cheating on him with Suki and or her new boyfriend. Like, what? And then they just casually drop, like, oh yeah, it's a matter of time because the, the royal family is just one big pool of incest. Like, his parents were half-siblings and he married his first cousin. Like, what? What? They never said anything about inbreeding, nor, like, any disease that ran in the family at this point in the fic before. They just, that just came out of nowhere. Like, they could have even said, like, oh, the pressure's getting to him. Like, what? But this, 
that just that is really out of nowhere. Anyway, also if he's like an incest baby who also married his cousin, how can he be so disgusted by Kimiko being attracted to him? If you know his first wife was his first cousin, so then Katara just fucking straight up challenges him to an Agni Kai. Like yes, kick his ass. <laughs> Make him be sorry. Make him sorry. So my complaint here, though, is they had way more time to show him losing his mind and their relationship deteriorating, but they crammed this all into a single chapter. It goes from, I and miss my partner so much, to fucking fight me, I'll kill you, I'll fucking kill you, all in chapter 35. The pacing is such an issue in this. So she wants the D. Divorce. So if she wins, she can leave and get custody of the but he's completely fucking insane and like says that he'll chain her to a prison wall if that's what it means he has to do to keep her and like the only way he'll let her go is if she kills him because <laughs> till death do they part so yeah that's not a healthy relationship uh, like how could she even win though he transcended human form and nothing can harm him unless she finds something before she challenged him to that match she's fucked and then he has their removed from the palace just to punish her uh, Zuko is still trying to get her back <laughs> because he's stupid. Uh, just give up. She's your mom now. You're so dumb. Oh my god. Oh my god. Just stop being such a fuckboy for like a minute. So then she does run into Jose because uh, they have like a week before they actually fight. And then he just electrocutes her during their little talk because he's the actual worst. So, you know, the cover art for the show is him. Because he's the worst. Is this is a search for the worst? He's the worst. There you go. <sighs> and then I guess they have hate sex. Like she fucking loses and yells about how much she hates him. Like, oh my god, girl. It's about time you came to your fucking senses. And he has a moral dilemma after she like muses to him about their relationship in the morning while she thinks he's unconscious. He's like, uh, is she more important to me than the war or? I really wish the author had played up this moral conflict much earlier, because this actually could have been a really good scene, like, if there was more baggage from earlier in the fic. Like, the whole moral dilemma thing could have been so good, honestly. And then we get to their fight, and they get a solid few minutes of ass-kicking, but then the Resistance had a plan to, like, attack them in the middle of the fight. I don't know why I'm saying this now, but I have a quick word about chapter 37. I needed to take a break about screaming about what an ass canoe this man is, and how this fit could have been better than it was, even though I'm repulsed by the mere concept of it. I've actually, I have actually read a fic of this pairing that I genuinely liked, believe it or not, yeah. But it was because he died at the end, and then she realized that he was still insane and bad. <laughs> I need a word about my own sins. Why am I even saying this? But I just feel like I should take a little break here because, oh my god. So the A-N for this chapter is like, hey y'all, if you have fan art of this shit, I'd love to see it. And I have, I, have, I have a horrible confession to make. So the story behind this is that my brain hates me and I really shouldn't be awake at 5 a.m. There's a scene from the other fake Forgiving the Wicked that I, I genuinely think is fucking hilarious. This is a scene that I read in its entirety in my review of it in the first episode that I had ever where Zuko just walks in on them having sex. I didn't draw them having sexual intercourse because I'm not that crazy, but I, God, I can't believe it was, I drew them making out while Zuko screams in the background. I feel so dirty and it's the most cursed image I've ever drawn. So, I mean, I did end up sending it to the author because like some good might as well come of this travesty. <laughs> 
I still like have it floating around on my computer and like every time I like accidentally scroll too far down into the things that I've drawn on on this MS Paint knockoff or something, I just like panic when I see it. I'm like, oh no, I don't want to look at this ever again. I'm awful. Uh, so let's get back to chapter 37. So this chapter kicks off with Katara in prison, and it's been three months after the invasion, and now the Fire Nation has fallen. They've lost the war. Fetish. Um, also, she, uh, you know, apparently got f***ing again. She doesn't intend to keep it this time. But, oh my god, y'all, it's... It, I thought you guys had safe sex once, you could do it again. But it's really not that hard to wear a condom. I mean, y'all have birth control methods, we already know this. Like, y'all not only have this, the spermicide tea or whatever, but, like, also semen bending. Like, oh my god, I think she just, she just birthed twins. I don't think she really needs to have another right away. Oh my god. It's not that fucking hard to use contraceptives. I mean, at least this time, yeah, she wants to abort it. Like, you could have avoided that in the first place if you just, like, had safe sex for once in your fucking life. So it does die before this chapter even ends, but I, I think its purpose is really so that Zuko can, like, fruitlessly attempt to, to taunt Ozai with the possibility that it's his, and I will get back to that. So uh, we jump back in time to some war trials, and she's just fucking pleading guilty to everything. Like, she has a chance to be pardoned, but she's like, I'm going down with the ship. And I guess in multiple senses of the word ship, so, uh... Uh, yeah. Stupid pun. Fuck me. Um, so then we, uh, we uh, learned that, uh, it was like, presumably, I guess, got his ass kicked by Aang, because his bending is gone. I wish they could have showed that, because I really, he, I just want to see his ass kicked so much, but, uh, I mean, I didn't get the satisfaction of reading about it, so I, I guess I'll just have to be happy with when Hokoda punched him in the face, but the good news is that he's sentenced to be executed. I said that really happily. I really am too happy about that. Uh, throughout the chapter, we do get the perspectives of her former friends, and they're like, yeah, she's brainwashed. And then, like, really casually, they mention that Azula, like, lightning herself and almost died when Aang won. So, uh, okay. Alright, this thing here. There's this thing. So, this pisses me off really, like, so much. So, in the last chapter, she was literally fighting him with, like, they were physically fighting for a divorce. Like, literally physically attacking each other. But now... In this chapter, so, I mean, yeah, it's, a lot of it does take place three months later, but, like, right after the resistance comes in, she's like, fuck all of that, I love him and I can't live without him. Actual line, death is better than living without him. What? Fucking what? I I'm so confused. How did she just... What the hell? So, anyway, uh, Katara, like, ends up being shit out of Jet, and they, like just they, she just forgot about the Agni Kai and the author even brings this up because I mean things have gone so absolutely fucking crazy between them why should they even be together at this point so uh also Jet ends up freeing Shin from prison for information no more of this character I hate him and then meanwhile Izuku can't control his dick, much like everyone in this fic, oh my god. Boy, you're the ruler of a country now, your priority should not be having sex with someone and like, getting your girl back. First of all, she's so far gone. D second of all, do you, do you really want to put your dick in the same place that your dad put his dick? Do you, do you want to kiss lips that have been around his cock? 
Do you want that? Do you, do you, do you want that? Oh my god, just let it go. Let it fucking go. Oh my god. I know it hurts, but just, there's a certain point. Just, boy. So anyway, uh, Zuko's just like straight up sets Ozai on fire during one of their prison scenes. I, I'm okay with this, I have no complaints, like, but he's like a phoenix, so he just screams in agony for a while before regenerating from a pile of ash. <laughs> this is pretty badass. Uh, and then we get uh, another flashback to a time shortly after the invasion, because, you know, Zuko didn't put her in prison because he can't control his penis. Uh, she attempts to assassinate him, which fucking fails miserably by the way she does this by seducing him and then she tries to stab him while they fuck first of all orbs second of all like he's just a little bottle of lust and she messes with him just so easily she compares it to her wedding night and like she says it's as bad as the sex was and like oh my god does that feel like just chapter four just feels like a fucking lifetime ago Oh, Zuko, like, also kind of gets revenge because she wants to be executed with Ozai, but he's like, nah, bitch, you're f have fun living. Like, he's also, you know, thinking about those abomination half-siblings of his and, like, how they should probably have a mom, so I guess that's, like, kind of nice. Then there's another orb. <laughs> and I predicted this one. It says something about her eyes, and then I just, like, said out loud, her blue orbs, because, you know, eyes. And that was literally how the next sentence started. <laughs> I just, I just love orbs. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, then uh, Hakoda meets the kids and has, you know, mixed feelings as you'd expect. Kaya Jr., uh, or the second rather, is, is she's aware. Her mind is open to the universe because of the whole siren thing. And then we get like a little passage from her perspective, and it's like she's uh, has this part where she thinks about like Ozai and how he like laughs when he boops her nose. Like, okay, that's actually adorable. Okay. Oh, that made me really happy for some reason. I guess, okay, anyway. <laughs> Fuck that. Uh, the trial. Now, uh, the guy reading... <laughs> the guy reading uh, this massive list of crimes against humanity. So it's like, oh boy, this is gonna take a long time. <laughs> One of them is how he like, forcibly married and defiled Katara, which she denies because... Bro, just because you're into him now doesn't mean that it was smooth sailing in the beginning. Like... Do I need to remind everyone that he raped her the first time they had sex? Like I mentioned before, everyone, well, except Aang, as you'd imagine, decides that he needs to be executed by decapitation. Brutal. I'm so here for this. I'm so here for this. So, uh, but naturally, Katara, like, loses it, and, and, like, the siren comes pretty close to taking over. I feel like they should have reminded us that the siren can, like, do that, but... Speaking of, so yeah, we finally learn what the fucking deal is with Hama. She and the siren are merged, right? Because that's the siren, what the siren does. They both want different things, though. The the author just Star Wars is her ass so much, so everything gets to be like really weird and incesty. So she's returned to the the South Pole to die, and she like to be buried right next to the kid that she had right before she was kidnapped forcibly by the Fire Nation, who is Katara's mom. So that makes her her grandmother. So let's take a moment to think about this. I drew a family tree for this, and a family tree shouldn't have diagonal lines. <laughs> But that actually only results from, you know, our main couple, because borderline pedophilia. <laughs> so anyway, here's the fuckery that's going on with this 
new piece of information. There actually isn't a whole lot of actual incest on account of Ozai being adopted, but still, I'm going to talk about it. So that makes Shin Katara's uncle, or I mean, I guess half-uncle, if that's the thing. He raped her, by the way. Shin and Ozai are simultaneously brothers and cousins. Ozai is Katara's adoptive uncle, and her grandma was trying to fuck him. So Zuko fucked Katara's grandma, who's also his grandmother. <laughs> Ozai is simultaneously Hakoda's brother-in-law and son-in-law. Kimiko fucked her stepmother, who's also her mother-in-law, who is the grandmother of the woman she loves and the mother of the man she loved. Lastly, Katara is both Zuko's cousin and stepmother. <laughs> so what the fuck? <laughs> oh man, you know that family was fucked up, but you didn't know half of it. <laughs> So, that's chapter 37. It was posted in October 2017. Now, a word on chapter 38. It's not up. I'm going ahead with this episode because it's just been so long anyways, and the author has started writing another fic, so I don't know if this one will ever get finished. If the finale ever does get posted, I will do a part three of this review. So, in spite of this, I do have a lot of conclusions about this fic that I've come to, some of which might change if the ending does go up eventually, but I think it's still going to be, by and large, the same conclusion. So now let me hammer out some more generalized views of this shit. I've devised a little where we stand drinking game. One shot every time. Someone smirks. Someone talks about how Katara needs to have g**ks. Someone commits sexual assault. Ozai says something really creepy and possessive to Katara. Shin does something creepy. The author uses epithets of his wife or her husband for our main couple because she really wants you to know they're married and bonus when she uses it for any other character too when someone freaks out over Katara's unfavorable situations bonus whenever Zuko angsts over being cucked <laughs> whenever there's a grammatical error whenever there's a weird and or gross euphemism for something related to sex bonus take two shots for the word seed <laughs> so you die like I guess just choose like two of these and see how far you can make it if you're like compelled to check this out after me basically telling you everything that happened like if you just want to witness this for yourself <laughs> depending on the part of the fic you could easily choose one of these and you just like pass out without even having to scroll down like i tried this i didn't have any vodka on hand unfortunately or any type of other liquor but 10 vodka shots would probably be enough to kill me because i'm small and yeah i didn't even have to scroll down <laughs> and i, I would have died <laughs> So that's pretty great. So obviously I had a lot of opinions about this, but let's let's summarize them. Let's talk about this as a full piece of literature. So the pacing was really fucked up. With the length of this thing, there was plenty of time to slowly transition into new territory and have the characters develop naturally. Like, uh, I'll give some examples when we talk about some stuff that I actually enjoyed from this fic, uh, a lot of which would be more accurately titled. Things that could have been really good if they'd been developed better and the pacing wasn't so fucked up. So you have, like, chapters of not much happening, and there are a few chapters that just cram in so much sun development and character relationships. It's just... Yeah, the pacing is messed up. 
so the plot, this didn't have a typical plot where there's a few arcs that all culminate into one big climax. Personally, I would prefer a streamlined plot, but you could argue like the soap opera subplot filled, like kind of episodic nature of this narrative where you like can kind of identify smaller kind of unrelated arcs throughout the fic. It's also like an appealing style, not really one you see for a single long ass fanfic. Uh, she could totally divide this into a series of separate fics, or, or you can actually argue that the author was faithful to the narrative structure of the source material itself, where you've got like overarching themes, characters, and like plot lines that are always present. You could easily chop it into episodes that all build off each other, and then you have one final climactic ending sequence. I would have really actually preferred to see this get cut up into a series, because you know, 400,000 words is fucking monolithic, and it would have forced each arc to have more of its own plot. So like I said, personally I'm not really a fan of people writing this way because it just stretched the length of the fic out so much. It just didn't feel like a cohesive whole. Like not all, uh, most of the arcs and the subplots didn't actually contribute to the main plot. In fact, a few of them like had nothing to do at all with the final conflict. But that's more of a subjective thing. I'm not gonna go that hard on her here, but I'm still gonna talk about some things that had nothing to do with anything. So the South Pole arc, uh, it was a nice change of scenery because almost everything that occurs in the main plotline is within the Fire Palace. But this does nothing for the plot. Like, okay, he took over her village and he hates her entire family and race, but you know, whatever. There are a few things that are like kind of important, but we didn't really have to spend that much time there. The changes in the character relationships that happen here are most of what I get out of this arc. What I got out of it was on a whole that I was always an abusive possessive dickhole and I, why the fuck am I supposed to ship this? Um, like at least I could have punched him in the face. That was like probably my favorite part of the whole fic and it needed to happen more. <laughs> uh, I also don't know why we need to spend so much time on Suki and G, which is the new boyfriend. Uh, I don't feel like either of them really contributed much to the plot, even though it was nice for Katara to have a friend in the palace. So the stuff with the nobles being racist and stuff, they all had like one personality trait each. I, I did like that there were insiders in the court that didn't approve of uh, the new fire lady, but we spent way too much time on all of these OCs. And, oh god, I fucking hated Jin. He needed to get his ass kicked. The way this plot arc ended too was anticlimactic, though, even though we finally got some scenes of Katara being a badass. They spent so much time building it up, and then like when it ended, I was like, oh, that's it? I don't think they'll put up more of a fight, but yeah, anyway. On a similar note, uh, when Katara got kidnapped in chapter 24, it, like, nothing happened really with that. Uh, she gets kidnapped enough in this fake as to various other characters, but what the hell were Hamishin's motives here? Like, and the rape, they really didn't need to be here. First of all, because it was just inherently super unnecessary, and second, like, it contributed nothing to the storyline. Not even, like, to the subplot. Like, and, and Hama, like, sides pretty hard with Ozai for the rest of the fic, and, and like, isn't even hostile to Katara, really, except, you know, trying to seduce her man, so I don't even know why this chapter even needed to happen. Um, and, you know, there's also no need to, like, Darth Vader the shit out of her character with, like, so many weird connections that she just had to everyone in the fic. Uh, even though, like, her being grandmother, that would be kind of believable, but, like, having 
that and also that she's like adopted Ozai or something like that that was a little much so let's talk about character relationships a little bit I've already gone over this a lot so I'm gonna keep it short here so uh, our main couple as you know brings me immense pain I feel like their relationship goes between reasonable to like insane and hostile way too often over some really ridiculous shit which I think is just mostly a result of Ozai being a dick and it, 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 it makes sense that he's a dick but like it still pissed me off how do you manage to make him even more unlikable making him likable okay i get it that's a really difficult task but making him worse how did you do that like i think i've already ranted enough at length throughout the review about this so i'm not going to spend that much time on it here but in conclusion the bottom line is that this is an extremely unhealthy relationship and the author tries to pass it off as a genuine romance because you know she probably is the type of person who unironically reads Fifty Shades of Grey. So there's some other things that pissed me off. No one could keep it in their fucking pants. Other people were not so good about it, but here's a list of the top five characters who are the worst in order. I honestly think the middle three could all be tied, but Hama was the worst about keeping it in her pants. Then you have Ozai the Siren and Shin. Zuko was pretty bad about it too. So I didn't like the arbitrary rules about the Siren, like with the power of love, and that their plan was to kill Ozai with the power and then next the author really doesn't have that much of a concept of foreshadowing or like she does but like she also only does it sometimes like the biggest instance of this thing was the phoenix and also him losing his mind and i do feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with the pacing so all right now we're gonna talk about things that i actually liked because uh, there were actually things that were about this that were good i guess um things i liked uh when it was i got punched in the face i really enjoyed it i also enjoyed when he got bitch slapped i i did like tough i wish we could have gotten more of her i like how the author writes her because uh yeah the author is funny when she wants to be like a lot of the time i find myself laughing at stuff that's not intended to be funny like orbs <laughs> and slurping the moist flesh between her legs <laughs> Uh, but here, like, a good a, a good chunk of the stuff that I laughed at was actually supposed to be humorous, and this has some pretty funny lines. So, um, I also like the interplay between Ozo's obsession with control and, and strength, but how he's letting her become his weakness. This would have been improved if his obsession with control applied to his dick, but it didn't. <laughs> in all seriousness, the siren and that weird, like, ancient creature shit had some interesting concepts. Like, aside from the arbitrary rules I pointed out earlier, the concept of the siren was developed pretty well and steadily, too. I wish they could have developed the concepts of the other ancient creatures beforehand instead of just randomly throwing them at us. I also kind of like the flashbacks and the nonlinear structure of the narrative. It was really clear when events were happening because she would say something like two months earlier or 27 years ago right before launching us into the flashback. So like as long as you're not skimming like I was the first time, it, it, it's easier to avoid confusion. Like I kind of want to say this is kind of an amateurish way of telling us when events are happening, but like fuck that honestly, clarity is more important. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the flashbacks describing events before the story helped us to get to know the characters better, humanize them a bit. Flashbacks of during story events. There was kind of a literary benefit to this, I think, because it changed the focus of what scenes we're more concerned about. It just placed the emphasis differently than a linear narrative would have. And it changed up 
things a bit. I, I, so I like that. I also, uh, this part where Katara tries to kill herself because, like, Zuko was being a little bitch. It was really interesting to see how it was, like, handled that and, like, how he used it to win her over in spite of him being the fucking entire problem. Like, the ambiguity of his intentions, like, was he being manipulative or genuine or, like, some combination of the two? Like, I feel like that really progressed their relationship. It was an important turning point uh, in the early part of the fic, and it was well executed. And also, it was the part where he got bitch slapped, so I like that, too. Most importantly, Katara's moral dilemma as to whose side she wanted to be on. I think that that could have been so good, but it was underdeveloped. Like, I really liked that this was a thing, but, like, they should have played it up more. There wasn't much cognitive dissonance going on between her loving the guy who's trying to destroy the world and, like, not wanting the world to be destroyed. Uh, we also didn't really see her thinking about how destroying the world was bad. Like, it was more about her just wanting her friends and family to be safe. Like, if we'd seen her doing some, like, cool resistancy shit, at least in the beginning, like, that went beyond her just talking to the White Lotus, like... She never really wanted to kill him in the first place because, like, seducing someone and then murdering them would be too cruel, even if, you know, they're a genocidal maniac and doing so would save the world. And seeing it kind of, like, dropped off as she crossed over, like, the Zuko getting thrown off the balcony scene could have been more of a turning point than it was, even though it was kind of a big turning point. Uh, and then, like, we could see her doing some evil shit later. That, that would have been that would have been cool. Like, so, yeah, this aspect of the story could have been great if it was emphasized more. Uh, also, I liked when it was like got punched in the face. I don't think I mentioned that yet. I mentioned that, but I really liked that part. So, guys, just a quick summary. Bad concept. It's pretty hard to recover from that. Their relationship was fucked up for the most part. I, I really <laughs> hope that at some point the author learns what a healthy relationship actually looks like and then proceeds to implement it into her work. Just from an objective point, no. <laughs> Bad pairing. Also, the children especially, just... Just no. Just no. Bad post-OP. She had kind of an average writing style and command of the English language. I wasn't a big fan of the plot structure. I would have liked to see it either move in one of two more extreme directions, where either it would get cut up into more distinctly episodic arcs, uh, maybe as separate fix, uh, or I would have liked to seen that cut out. So I think it should have gone either one of those two ways, and that could have fixed a lot. There were some good ideas in here, but I feel like two really central ones, the, the moral dilemma and the ancient creatures, really could have been developed better, and that might have saved it to some degree. Uh, um, so if she improved on the last three things I mentioned, the writing, the plot, and developing ideas better, I think that in spite of the concept, this actually could have had a shot at being decent. Like, as much as I have railed on the concept, like, uh, I have read a fic of this pairing that I actually liked. And that was because we, as the audience, did eventually come to figure out, like, well, you know, where we should stand. But here, I, I don't know what we're supposed to want for the characters. Again, in all seriousness, it's pretty amazing that this author has written not one, but two 400,000 worst fics. I think if she breaks out of this niche, or even just takes a different approach to it, and she like also stops taking so much influence from trashy romance novels, where the couple constantly fights and the guy's dick, she could make something pretty good. There's potential, I just don't feel like it was fully harnessed here. All right, so that was the second half of my review of Where We Stand by Adam of the Moon. Uh, it's all one word, A-N-U-M, and then of the, and then moon. I'm Winchick Astoticus. This is the Bars Low. Thanks for joining me. See you next time, motherfuckers.